Okay, so the Gemarin Ksubis, Ketzad Muraklin Lifneakala, how do we dance before the bride? Meaning, what do we say uh, in her presence? Um, that is, according to Rashi in the Shittimikabet says, what praise, it's not what do we say, but or how do we dance, but what do we actually say whilst we're dancing? Um, and it, we want to enhance the groom's joy in fulfillment of the mitzvah. And so, what do we say? And there's a machlokas uh, between Beishamai and Beishelel. Beishamai says, We praise the bride as she is, meaning the, the, her actual beauty and stature, according to Rashi. Um, if she has a blemish, we say nothing about it. Or we can say we pre- we praise whatever fine quality, according to Tosfos, she does have. Uh, because it's not possible, according to Ritfa, that she has no qualities. Kamoshahi, meaning she must have some good qualities, so you praise those and you ignore the bad. But you don't do anything beyond that. You, you have to stay true. says, In all cases, we say that she is beautiful, the chasuda, and charming. That is, that Rashi says, over every color there's a chutzel chesed. Every color looks somewhat beautiful. You're not lying because she's in a beautiful gown and. And and the Shittimukubetzis on Megillah 13a says that even though Queen Esther had a green complexion, um, she had an aura of charm about her. So so Beis Hillel is saying that um, uh, that she is beautiful and charming, no matter what you flaws you may see. Omrulah Beis Shammai the Beis Hillel, if she's blame or or blind, what are you going to do? Omrim lo kala noe vechasuda? Midvar sheke, the Torah meres, midvar sheke tircha. The Torah says in Exodus 23, 7, you shall uh, stay away from, distance yourself from falsehood. Omrim lehem beis hila lebeis shamai. So in response, beis hila says to beis shamai, According to your view, if someone made a bad purchase in the market, should we praise it in the purchaser's eyes or denigrate it in his eyes? Of course, of course you would say that you should praise it now. You're making a sale. You've got to say, I got a good product. I got a nice house. That means the maintenance of harmony and peaceful relations overrides the problems of speaking a falsehood. That's, res- that's the response of Beis Hillel to Beis a person's mind should always be mingled and compatible with people meaning you should act towards a person in a manner in which the person prefers that's what Rashi said so since the bride finds favor in the groom's eyes we also praise her to him that's the Sugi and so the Machlokas is Kala Kamoshehi 
that's Beis Shammai. Kala Noi Vechasuda, you have it, bride is lovely and charming, that's Beis Hillel. What if she is lame or blind? Beis Shammai challenges Beis Hillel. Can you say that she's lovely and charming in the violation of the Torah banning of lying? We would say that, you know, false praise or you're trying to butter up someone, you know. Basilo's response is to compare the situation to that of how we relate to one who has purchased something. In a sense, Kiddushin is a Kenyan. Do we speak highly of his purchase or criticize it? From this approach, the Chachamim learned that one must always strive to get along with other people. Now, what is meant by Beis Shammai's formula for bringing joy? to the groom and bride. If she has a blemish, does he still recommend that she be described as the bride as she is? So Tosfus, as I said, explains that in such a case, Beishamai suggests either refraining from any description or focusing on her praiseworthy features, whilst still avoiding the general description of Beis Hillel, which smacks of untruth. Beis Hillel disdains this approach because anything short of general praise will be interpreted as an insult. So it's a real problem, and my Shver Oliver Shalom used to say, the Gemara says that the children of Beis Shammai married the children of Beis Hillel. So he said, so what did they do at that wedding? <laughs> the Marshal suggests an alternative explanation. Both Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel advocate a general description of the bride and differ only regard to its text. Beis Shammai is in favor of singing the praise of every bride with the words, which implies that no matter what the shortcoming there is, she has found favor in the eyes of her groom. Beis Hillel insists on being more explicit in stressing the idea that to her groom, the bride is lovely and charming. That is the pshat in the sugya. The sugya and subas that surrounds this little thing is the difference of opinion between Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel regarding flattery of the bride is in the context of a wider sugya in the sugya in the Gemara, which is the issa of midvar sheker. In my opinion, therefore, defining lying, or at least the aspect of lying, which is bad. Beis Hillel says to a color, Noe v'chasuda. Beis Shammai says if she's blind, this would violate the Issa of Midvar Sheket Tirchak. So Beis Hillel's response must address the issue of Midvar Sheket. Beis Hillel responds that this wouldn't violate the Issa of Midvar Sheket, even though it is a sheker, it's not a lie as a defined by the Issa in the Torah. That's a very subtle difference. Meaning, where is flattery flattery and where does it become midvar sheker? Beis Hillel says he's proving this by relating a din in which Beis Hillel obviously thought that Beis Shammai would agree with him. That is, when someone makes a mekach a bad purchase, you should tell him that it's a good purchase. So Beis Hillel is saying, I'm going to convince you, Beis Shammai, because I assume that you too would agree with me when it comes to a bad purchase, mitvah sheker. Keep the guy, just, just tell him it was good. But it's not a lie as defined by mitvah sheker. So we have this kind of soft sheker that's applying to this 
Mekach, this purchase, which Beis Hillel assumes Beis Shammai would agree with him, has nothing to do with the Torah Issa of Midvar Shekel. It's a subtle difference. And so Beis Shammai assumed that Beis Hillel, when it comes to flattery, would fall under that rubric of a kind of smidgen of Sheker, but, but Beis Hillel would agree with him that it's not Midvar Sheker from the Torah perspective. That's, that's the Lomdus in this. Since Beis Shammai doesn't respond, Tosfus is bothered by this. Because it seems that Beis Shammai is moider to Beis because the, the Gemara is silent. So why does he argue in the Brisa? This is Tosfus's problem. So Tosfus explains that even though Beis Shammai agrees that you can say a Sheker regarding a purchase, because it's not a strict violation of Mitvah Sheker, still the rabbi shouldn't be metak in a situation where you're compelled to say a sheker because conceptually sheker is bad and there's an Islam midvar sheker in other situations. It's a very soft answer, right? Tosis is saying, yeah, you're right. Beishamai's silence, it means that he's moida, that it's not an Issa midiraisa of midvar sheker. At the same time, he doesn't want Beis Hillel running all over the place and going flattering brides because it's a smidgen. Whereas Beis Hillel holds, since that this type of sheker is permitted, you don't have to restrict it even if it resembles an Isra in the Torah. You can go up to the bride and say, It's not Midvar Sheker. Beit Shammai agrees that it's not Midvar Sheker. And it, the only difference between them is that Beit Shammai feels he has an, a, an open license to go around doing it and Beit Shammai says, whoa, come on, you're gonna, it's a slippery slope between this and the Isra in the Torah. There's other examples. We don't have to get those. Of examples oh, of where, where you're allowed to, to. Shalom bias, think that. You have a, so, a class one of you have a good meal. If I go to your house and have a great meal, right. somebody asks me, I say, eh, right, right. Because you don't want people to. Yeah. So you take Tosus literally to mean that Beishamai holds Kale Noe is a violation of Midbasheke, then why is he makel by a purchase? And how do you explain Beis Hillel that Chazal Metakin allow you to do his surin? There's a, there's a dark side to this argument on both sides. So comes along the Ritva, quoted in the Shittim Rekabetzes, and says explicitly that Beis Hillel's reason is that any statement which is made for Sholem purposes doesn't violate Mitvah's Sheker. That's a Chiddush in the Ritva. Because there are arguments to both sides. So comes along the Ritva and says, no, 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 for the sake of Sholem, Sholem bias, Sholem of the harmony of the Chosen and the Kala, it's allowed. And it doesn't violate Mitvah's Sheker at all. You don't have to worry about that. So for me, the whole Gemara has nothing to do with Hassan and Kala. It has to do with the Issa of Midvar Sheker. And we are debating the application of that Issa to the Hassan and the Kala. Now the Tosfas rid add that we learn from Beis Hillel that one should say a, a Dvar HaMakabel even if it's a Sheker. And that must be because in Halacha it isn't a violation of Midvar Sheker and therefore it's not a lie. It turns out then that what occurs in the marketplace, meaning what people are used to be are used to doing, represents what I consider a common sense morality. It's done because you're not going to offend somebody. So don't come 
along and bring me all these halachic things from far off about midbar shekel. Then what takes place in the marketplace and is a common sense morality becomes common law parameters of midbar shekel as defined by halacha. This is a dazzling concept, unfortunately lacking by current poskin. That is, we follow the rules, we follow the black and white rules, we don't listen to what Minag Yisrael is in the marketplace. But here I want to suggest that the machlokas between Beishama and Bezela is precisely the application of what occurs commonly in the marketplace, which then becomes a common law morality and then becomes the parameters of the outer limits of Midvar Shekel. And this is the point of the argument between Beishamah and Beishelel. That is, statements made for Sholem, Sholem Bais, does never violate Midvar Shekel, and that's the take-home message. Okay. Now I want to dig a little bit deeper that I establish my halachic credentials. <laughs> And the Degel Machne Ephraim has this addendum, Shkora Ani Venaver, Posuk in Shia Shirim, I am black but comely, O daughters of Jerusalem, Ka'ahale Keda as the curtains of Solomon. And, and he then says that that is the Bechina of Chosme. Shkora Ani is the Bechina of Chosme, she Bechina's code. He begins kiddushin, the 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 bechina of kalenoi v'chasuda. What does that mean? I just got through saying shchora ani v'nava. The machlokes between beishamai and bishelel. What do you do if the color is shchora? She has a blemish. And what what the Daigle is coming with this dazzling idea that first of all the color is in the kaza, it's the shchina, it's the klal yisrael, it's the knesses. <laughs> means even though I have this blemish and the whole medrash and shirim goes into even though I'm tired of the mitzvahs nevertheless I'm beautiful even though I you know I've suffered gollas and I've forgotten about you I'm still beautiful look at me right there's this metaphor for everything that she's talking about reflecting on Klal Yisrael so he says that's the beginner of Chochmah because there's a yud in the Ani the less beyud ois chiver. Yud is the iota. It's just a drop in the Greek alphabet. The iota is the middle. It's the middle letter in the alphabet. If you make it a pendulum, everything hangs on that middle iota, that one dot. That's the dot that Moshe puts on his forehead. Because he, he had an extra bit of ink because he refused to write the Moshe Onov Mikolodom. So he took the yud out. What do you do with that extra bit of yud? There's just the right amount of ink, right? So the Medrash says, well, he just put it over here to get rid of it. And that became the Koran Oponov. That's the yud. And Yud is also Chochmah in Kabbalah. It's a flash of insight as opposed to Bina, which is the developing insight that you use your head to create. She beginners Kodesh, he beginners Kiddushin, and that is the beginner of Kale Noe Bechazuda. That is the whole essence of the Machlokis, meaning Beis Hillel is arguing for Kale Noe Bechazuda, not 
in the sense of mitvah sheker, as we learnt in the sukkah, not in the sense of flattery, but in the sense of Klal Yisrael saying from the Potsuk in Shia Shirim to the, to the king, the king of kings, called Benos Yisrael Yofosheh. In fact, all Benos Yisrael, this is a quote from the Gemara, they are beautiful. It is the poverty of the spiritual poverty of Golos, the physical poverty of what the Goyim do to us so we can't live and buy makeup and look nice. They're all beautiful, but it's because of the Aeneas, the poverty, that makes them manuval. The Degel says that poverty isn't a physical poverty. It is a poverty of spiritual God awareness. And now he goes back and explains what the Kale Noe Vechasudo is, a Mosai Keshehi Chasida. Now he makes it a conditional clause. When is the Kale Noe Vechasuda and charming, meaning charming to her beloved, meaning charming to the Rebonish Lolem, meaning Klal Yisrael charming to God? Sheyesh Das. When they have Das, which in coin to the Baal Shem Kodesh is God awareness. There's Chochma, which is just a flash of insight. Bina is the steiging so that I understand the theology. This is the wire diagrams. Das is the experience. Chochma is, I just fell in love. Bina is, I'm going to write a love poem. Das is, I'm actually going to experience lovemaking. That's the metaphor here. And then he adds, That's a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah 16, that a person, before he goes to Yushalayim for the three Vagolim, has to be Matai himself. Why? The Rambam says he's going to be bringing Karbonus. Shlomim is going to bring Karbon for the Chagiga, right? He has to, so he has to be Matai himself. And the same Gemara says a person has to be Matai himself before being Makabal his Rebbe. So in Chabad, they would spend six months before going into the Alter Rebbe, preparing themselves to be Matarim. The word Regel is a pun. Hainu, the, it's a dazzling pun. Meaning a person can't just go dancing before the Chosun and Kala. He has to be Matarim himself. Why? The pun is on the word Regel, the Sholosh Regolim, the three foot festival. Are the Shalosh Raglayim, the two legs and what's in between the legs? He has to be Matire his bris. As he approaches the Chosen and Kala, that's not just the Chosen and Kala, that's the Yichud Kuchibrichu and the Shechina. As you're dancing between the Chosen and Kala, you have to be Matire yourself to understand that what's happening down here in this world is actually a reflection of a Yichud that's occurring between the divine masculine and feminine. You better understand that before you go dancing, because you're dancing before the Shekhinah. You better be Matayim. Agra Takala Duchka. The Gemara in Brocha says that the reward for the Yarche Kala, that is before every Yontif, everyone would come together to their rebbe's to learn about the Hilchus Yontif a week before, Shabbos HaGadol, Shabbos Shuva. And the reward is pushing and shouting. What's the reward? Ironically, the Gemara says it's pushing and shouting. And, and now, 
the Teikel comes along with this dazzling commentary. Now he's saying this isn't just about us going on the three regolith. It's not just about this. Now he's reversing it, right? You think you're just going to go and say the Pleshvina three times a year. So the Agra to Kala is when you go and meet, meet your Rebbe to learn Hilfas Besa. That Kala refers back to Moshe. The Chalos Moshe, when Moses completed the Luchos, there's a Vov missing. And Rashi, quoting the to quoting the Mechilta, says, Al Tikre Kalos Elo Kalos. That is, when Moshe was the Kala, the bride of the Shina. So, Agra to Kala, Dukha, there's something about this shoving and pushing of the Kala. What does he mean? Now, you have to go to the next page, which is the Zoya. And the Zoya says, and here's the translation of the Zoya, that the Zoya is like a bride. Sorry, she's like a woman, a princess in a castle. And her courtier is on a horse down below. And the window is wide on the inside and narrow on the outside, like in a castle. When you throw bows and arrows, you want it. So it's a medieval castle. Now, he can't see her, but she can see him because the window is wide on the inside. But once a day, the sun passes through that slit and he's able to see her and she glances at him and that is sufficient for him to continue to love her and wait for her. This is based on the medieval courtly tradition, right? That every princess had a knight in shining armor who devoted himself platonically to love her and to protect her. The Zoyar, in this amazing, amazing metaphor, says, So it is with the words of Torah. In the beginning, she reveals only herself to her lover. She knows who is wise of heart. And so, when she comes, second paragraph, when she reveals herself to the person, she beckons him momentarily with a remisa, with a hint. If he perceives it, if the knight sees her face and sees her glance at him, good. If not, she sends her away and says, Petty, he's a simple, he's a narrow. Tell that simple one to come closer so that I can call him. As it says, me petty, whoever's simple, let him come here, who lacks understanding, it's Mishle, uh, let, let him come approach. Okay. Now, this is how the Torah reveals her mysteries to the person. Korav As he approaches, Shariat lo imai. She begins to speak with him from behind a curtain that she has drawn. Nibata pruchta de parsele from behind the pargud. With words suitable for him. Milin lefum orchob. So in the beginning it's just regular halacha. And then it is medrash. Then it is agada. Slowly but surely revealing to him deeper and deeper secrets. Until he reflects it little by little. Zehudrosha. Lebatar. Then she converses 
with him. Now she gets a little closer to him. Not behind a curtain. From behind a delicate sheet. And now she tells him Milin words of riddles, parables. And once he has grown accustomed to her, she reveals herself to him face to face. And she tells him all her secret, hidden secrets, the whole orchen steaming, and the hidden ways concealed in the Torah from Miyomin Kadmomin, from primordial days. This unbelievable Zoya reflects the nature of Torah as a lover who reveals herself in stages as she educates the lover from the exoteric Torah to the Drashic Torah to the riddles of Torah and to the secrets of Torah. Now look what he does. He quotes that in his Agra de Kala Pirush al derech lebata mimalalima beta shushifa ve'ein isham megalit mistere elobala. So he says, quoting that Zoya, that the pushing and the shoving that occurs when you come to meet the Shekhinah before the Regal to learn the Halachas isn't just the Halachas. For he agra the Kala, the Schar al the Kala, Masha Nosen Lechosen, the gift is what I'm giving to the Kohen. Duchaka, Dochek, it's the pushing and the shoving. And then he adds, Kulashon Ashkenaz, as ihr stust sich. I didn't know what that meant, and I called Hershey to find out what the stucht is. What is the stooping, the stuching, right? So this is what he says. If she is the Torah Shabal pair, what is she getting out of it? What's the advantage of the color? The she gets all his effort and energy he puts into the lovemaking, to the steiging in halacha, in order to get her to reveal her secrets. And these turn out to be the mysteries. So I wanted to suggest that when the Shekhinah, which is the mystery of the secret of the color in relation to the Chot, that is, when the relationship between them in holiness and Kedusha is such that the Shrina feels appropriately connected, then she gathers all the pushing and shoving, the pressures and sorrows of Klal Yisrael, and they are sweetened through the Yichud of the Chosen and Kala. That's what the Degel is saying, that there's a sweetening of the Duchka. The pushing and shoving is meaning that we're trying to steig in Torah, but we're being pushed and shoved by the waves of history, by the suffering of Kanal Yisrael. That's the pushing and shoving. What happens when we bring that to the lovemaking? It is sweetened by the color. When the chosen and color represent the archetype of divine compassion and presence, then the sufferings of Kanal Yisrael are mitigated through their deep yichud. In this meditation, 
The Daigle suggests that our communal suffering is sweetened and mitigated by the degree of her connection to the divine. And therefore, our struggle is to ensure the holiness of the relationship between the Chosen and Kala, which mirrors the connection between the, the, the Yichud of the Shechina and Kuchabricha, which then sweetens us. And so Beis Hillel is going back to the original Gemara in Ksubas. Beis Hillel, when he says, Kale Noe Vechasuda, he's speaking of the Shechina. When you're dancing before the Shechina and saying, she's Kale Noe Vechasuda, you are making her more appealing to the Rabboni Shaloylam. And saying she's always beautiful, whatever her manifestation, whatever mum that Beis Shammai says, what's about if she has a mum down here in this world, in incarnated in this color, in this manifestation of Shechina in our suffering, Beis Hillel is telling you, do not look at that. Look at the Kale Noev Chasuda um, in which we are looking at what she must feel to the divine, making her more appealing to the divine. Beis Shammai says that's for the future. Because the halacha will be Beis Shammai in the future. We'll go like Beis Shammai. Right now, you have to stick to what's observable down here in this world.